Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Kate Woda, producer of today's show and director of the annual Patients as Partners U.S. program at the Conference Forum. Today's show features a panel previously recorded at the 5th Annual Patients as Partners U.S. program on engaging patients by giving them their data. The panel, moderated by David Leventhal, Director of Clinical Innovation for Pfizer, discussed what information and data do patients want during a clinical trial, what initiatives is pharma currently doing to support this, and what impact will it have if patients have access to their data. Additional panelists included Jenny Alstrom, myeloma survivor and co-founder for Crowd Care Foundation, Christina Figuro, patient and advocate, Cindy Gagan, cancer survivor, patient advocate, and team lead for CTTI's Mobile Clinical Trials Stakeholder Perceptions Project, Therese Johnson, Associate Director, Patient Engagement Management for Novartis. All right, so uh, we're, we have a great panel here, and uh, we'll uh, start here on my left. We have uh, Christina Figueroa, um, patient advocate, extraordinaire. Um, we have uh, Cindy Gagan, uh, cancer survivor, patient advocate, and team lead of City's Mobile Clinical Trial Stakeholder Percep- uh, Perceptions Project. We have uh, Jenny Alstrom. Uh, myeloma survivor and co-founder of CrowdCare Foundation, and uh, Teresa jo- uh, Johnson, uh, Associate Director, Patient Engagement Management at Novartis. So, teeing this up, um, we're going to uh, you know pretend we just met each other in a bar, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about data return. Um, for clinical trial participants, and it's going to be rapid-fire, you know, lightning round of sort of questions, uh, you know, around this. Um, but let me just tee this up. I mean, the, the title of this session, Engaging Patients by Giving Them Their Data. Do patients want their data? I mean, I think... Sorry. Is that even a question? I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, just make, I'm, yeah, I'm just making sure. Yeah, I mean, I think we absolutely want our data. Um, Now, I live with a disease. It's called type 1 diabetes. Probably a lot of you in the room are familiar with it. It's a dynamic disease. It's a chronic disease. I've lived with it for 22 years. I've learned how to navigate my numbers up and down. I've learned what the biomarkers mean. My disease is much different than what Cindy has lived with and what Jenny has lived with. So I need to know daily what my numbers are in order to treat my disease. Yes, I want my data. Perfect. So yes, patients want their data, and I'll go even a little bit more strongly. They expect it. And when you tell them that if they're in a clinical trial, they might not get it, they might look for the door. So again, this is back in the messaging part, and I don't know if I'll get to this later, so I'm just going to say it now, and I actually have data on, so the Mobile Clinical Trials Project that I'm part of through City, the Clinical Trials Transformation Initiative, which is a joint venture between Duke and the FDA, and it's very multi-stakeholder, so I'm the patient lead on the stakeholder perceptions problems process. And what we did was we interviewed 400 potential participants in a digital trial to see what their perceptions were. And when we got to the question about, would you like to see your data? 98% said yes. 
more than 60 want to see it almost daily. Okay, so we could talk, it'll be David's job to talk about what we do about that. And as a patient, yes, I, I want to see my data. I want to see it outside of clinical trials. I want to see it inside of clinical trials. Um, I think understanding your data, we talked a little bit before the, the panel to know what type of data patients might want to see. But um, I've had several friends who have been extracted from trials because a certain number was not where it needed to be. They had no idea that that was something that the investigator was even looking at, like their iron level. And so it was important for them to understand their data as they were going through the trial. And actually, um, our foundation is working on a uh, data information um, program to actually combine and compile patient data of prior therapies, fitness status, um, things like that to give them potential treatment options, including clinical trials. So that type of system could be an onboarding tool for clinical trials as patients want to see their disease as it relates, in fact, to other patients. So, Teresa, you heard it. They want their data. Gosh darn it. What, what's, what's Novartis doing about it? Yeah, thanks so much. Um, and just to say, not to put you on the spot, it's Therese. Oh, Therese, um, thank I you. But I do answer to Sorry. Teresa as well. No, it's fine. Um, I'm from so, Brooklyn, so that's, it's, it's always <laughs> Teresa. But anyway, go ahead. So, I think of Jack Whalen, who many of you know or knew, um, who just passed away, every time I think of patient data. And his experience and being very strong advocate that he needed his data. He was, a, if you're not familiar with him, he was a cancer patient um, who was also a speaker and really spoke to um, the tools he created to track his data. Now that that's so that's in my head all the time. I love this man. Um, Novartis, and I have to be very careful here, I'm speaking my opinion and my area, and I'll give you a little clarity on that. Novartis is a huge company, so this is not our, you know, um, these are my own thoughts and opinions. Um, I'm in patient engagement in the U.S. Clinical Development and Medical Affairs Group, so that is one area of the company. I had previously worked for five years in global drug development and had worked in feasibility and operations. Just to give you some background, there's also oncology, so I'm working in the area that's uh, cardiometabolic, MS, you know, all the, the non-oncology. And as an organization, we have made commitments, so we put out a patient declaration where we committed to certain activities a few years ago. This year, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, our new CEO, who if you haven't met him or haven't seen him, look him up, Vas, V-A-S, he'll come right up, young, 41, 42-year-old, talks about our social responsibilities, our global health equity, um, and all these things. And he put out through his office a patient commitment. So it's an updated commitment of what we're going to give to the patients. We can't do it all right now, but we will get to it. It also includes that part of that critical patient interaction where we will include the patient voice from the beginning in our development practices. As far as data transparency, <coughs> We're committing that um, we will, and here, I, sorry, <laughs> we have the pieces that are around the, the 
acknowledging the patient. And we'll just take that that's done. That's all part of our process, where we thank the patient and we give back to them the aggregated data. I consider that almost separate from what we're talking about here. We're talking about individual patient data. And we are working in this area as well. Did you want to talk about complexity yet? I, I'm, I'm going to get there, but so you, can, you, can, you can bring it up. So, <laughs> so the, the question that I, was, that I was going to ask um, is, OK, so we've, it's a settled discussion around people, people want their data. Um, do, the, do they want us to just you know, back the truck up? You hear the beeping sound, and then we just dump you know, the truck full of data on them? Or does it require context and, and explanation, you know, particularly as you're getting into endpoints and you know, perhaps returning genetic information? What, you know, what, do, you, what do you feel, uh, not just industry, but any sponsor of research, their responsibilities are around the return of that data? So I don't mean to interrupt Teresa's thinking, but as you were asking Remember, the we're question. In a, we're in a bar. No, so we're, right. You know, but as you were asking other. the question, I was thinking, if you took a person or a patient off of the street and you said, do you want your data? They don't know they have data. I have data. Like, where's my data coming out of? You know, so again, they need the, they need the context. And then just to cite that survey again, they want information in a personalized way that's meaningful to them. So you want to engage me? Give me something to work with. I agree with you. But I'm also the patient that goes the extra mile that got myself involved in research because I wanted to be a part of the cure. And so I love data. Give it to me. Give all of it to me. So if we can do it in a way for specific patients that ask for their personalized data, get them involved. But also for the patients that are going the extra mile, lots of us in this room, I'm sure, have um, kids, have family members who are patients. We, some of ourselves, are, some of you are patients. We're going the extra mile. We're in research to be a part of a change. If we can find a way to empower patients who are going that extra mile, and when I say we, when the sponsors, when the pharma companies can find a way to help those patients reach their goals, which is to be a part of the cure or a part of finding a treatment, I think that's empowerment enough and initiative enough or incentive enough itself. That's from my own opinion. Oh, I agree. And I think out of a particular, a single clinical trial, that's just a data point in a whole patient's treatment experience. And so giving patients their data, but also providing, um, there has to be some other system that kind of gives them context. So after they're finished with the trial, what does that mean for their next treatment decision? Or um, before they consider a trial, can they look at patients that are inside of another system to comparatively say, well, this is a patient that looks similar to me and they did really well on this trial, so I might even want to consider going to this trial. So that's why I think it's difficult for one pharmaceutical company to develop a product like that that can give that contextual relevance. But um, for a patient advocacy group, it's possible. Great, thank you. So uh, I'm gonna, I want to tease this out a little bit. Um, so the data, um, so the everyday data, you know, the things you're seeing around lab values, is it transparent enough? Has have industry sponsors been clear enough that there is data that can be shared, 
probably, immediately, um, and certainly data that can be shared at the end of the study. But there's data that can't be shared because of, because of study designs and for a variety of reasons that if I, uh, that data get being sort of out there and known, it could uh, impact the study itself, you know, whether it be invalidating data or perhaps unblinding. Is there, um, do, do you feel that that needs to be explained more adequately to patients, and how do you think sponsors should do that? Well, my short answer before I hand it off would just be yes. I think it needs more clarification. Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to um, circle back to the data. So for us, actually, giving back data is not a problem. We can do it through um, the investigative portals is one way. Um, it's what that data would look like. And um, making sure, actually, for the comfort of the patient, that they understand what they're getting, the context, as you said. So we're actually looking at how do you continue the trial beyond the end of the study to when you have some of that end data so the investigator will, will pay for extra visits so that the investigator brings the patient back in and has that discussion about their data so then they can ask questions. Because you said patients want their data, but actually not all patients do, and we've heard this. Their caregivers might want the data. You know, when we talk to some elderly heart failure patients, they're less interested. They're trying to survive today, but their caregivers really care and want the data. So how do we, you know, how do we work through that? Um, so so, so in integration into existing health process. system data, that, that would be uh, a good thing? That's what we're thinking, and that's our first row. Knowing that we're on a path that's going to take us a long time where we're looking at really how do we get individual patients their data real time, as some organization sponsors are doing right now. Go ahead. So, so just to, and I don't mean to keep scooping this, this, this mobile clinical trials project from City, but the data was kind of interesting. One of the things that came out of it is people's, I talked about expectations, but again, not everybody might want it, but if you're putting a wearable or a trackable or an adjustable on me, people are looking at their phones and other consumer electronics in the world, and the expectation is I get to see how many steps I walked or whatever. To complicate it even more, if it wasn't challenging enough in a clinical research setting, they're also expecting somebody to be on the other side watching, looking at it 24-7 so that if they fall, an ambulance is going to show up. So again, I think you would raise a really valid point about um, informing and educating the person before they enter the trial, but also about the what is and what isn't part of research. So it, it, you're, you're sort of the, the poster child in a lot of ways of, you know, data hungry. I want, I want my data to like really, you know. So, so what tools would be useful to you? Are, are, do you feel that you have the tools you need now or do tools need to be developed to help you analyze, visualize, understand the data that, you know, is going to be coming to you? Sure. So right now, for me, in the type 1 diabetes space, there have been a lot of advancements have been made. So for me, right now, I feel confident that I do have everything I need. I can look at what my glucose is on my phone. Um, 
But if I'm on a clinical trial where I'm testing out a new device, for example, I'm not always able to see that. And that's where that changes. So in real life, yes, I have it. But in a clinical trial, I may not. And that's, that's kind of the disconnect. Well, in, in the oncology, because myeloma is a blood cancer, I may not care about any wearables type data, but I might want to see side effect data from other patients in the study, or um, I already have access to my electronic health record, so if I'm pulling labs at that same facility, I already have that. So um, I think more outcome data would be more interesting to me as a patient from a trial. I think what we're really hearing at the bar right now is a great example of the differences of the types of patient data that patients want and how to use it. And the critical part for us is also to bring the patients to the table as early as possible where that's part of the discussion. So often what happens right now is we're at the concept stage with the trial. We're thinking of the protocol. We're thinking about the operations. We're not really thinking about the data at that point, but that's really where we need to start thinking. It's and almost like you read some of my questions. So oh, this so is great. <laughs> no, this is perfect. I, I sent them out in advance, actually. But this is a great point. How, um, so given what you've just said, what, uh, how are you preparing internally with your clinical teams now that there's this expectation we're going to have to provide data throughout the study, at the end of the study, what are you doing operationally to be able to prep for this? It's a big lift. It is. Um, and we have a process in place where at the very beginning of a study, we sit down with a cross-functional, cross-divisional team and go through um, the different parts of the study, identifying what we know and what we don't know. And this is a piece of that. This has to be embedded as a piece of that. So understanding what don't we know about this patient group. So it's specific to that uh, patient population. As someone had noted earlier, um, you know, we work more and more with the thought of a rare process because, you know, because we're building our studies. They're almost unique each time now. So even if we're working in an area that we feel we have a great deal of competency and knowledge, like MS or heart failure, where we've done so many of this, the teams, the medical director will come and say, I need to talk to a patient. And I, you know, these are my questions. And I'll say, okay, let's go through. So we have to have, bring that to the table um, very early on. Because those pieces are not built yet, I have to say that. In our area, we can deal with the, the information that's in the study. Um, we can build a patient profile. Uh, we can pass it through to the investigators. But what we're talking about is real-time data and real-time that you're interested in, and we're not there yet. How are your legal colleagues feeling about that potential yeah. future? Yeah, that they have to be at, there at the table, but you're right. And there's a bigger issue for us. The trial ends. Um, the investigator's not part of in place. You know, so this we're able to do this now for new studies, but what about all the trials that are running right now? So the, the investigator's finishing the study. The trial team has gone off to new projects. 
but they've got the knowledge about the sites, the CS, you know, the CSMs, all the knowledge disappears as soon as the trial ends. So how do we make that not happen? And that the trial isn't really ending until the patients have their data. So I want to get into one other one other topic uh, before we sort of open it up to the to, to the audience here. So you talked a little bit about the social contract. Pfizer, we we are totally uh, in line with our social responsibility uh, around data return. There's a broader community around data and data donation, and this whole uh, this this social contract that we have not uh, outside of what we're doing in industry, but patients themselves. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, what would data donation look like? And would you look upon the opportunity to donate your own data to some broader effort around healthcare? And would that be an exciting opportunity for you? Um, you know, what are, what are some fo folks' thoughts on that? I have a really strong opinion about this. Um, Let's hear it. So Microsoft Health Vault tried this idea. Google Health tried this idea in generalities, right? Give us your data. We'll do something really cool with it. Um, I it, it didn't work. It doesn't work. Why? It doesn't work because there's no there's no trust relationship. So if you are giving your data as a patient, you expect to get something back in value. So even uh, projects like patients like me, um, I've tried the project. I have an ALS friend who's tried the project, and he just says the value creation back to me is insignificant. So why would I spend time when I'm not feeling well? And um, I'm fighting for my life to enter data in when I'm not getting the value back out. So when you go and create a system that I don't think an individual pharmaceutical company could create a system that has that relationship because the patient is using usually multiple drugs and um, you know different treatments, participating in different clinical studies. And so... Um, I just think that the data system needs to accommodate that. I have, I guess, a strong opinion, too. I think patients own their data, and there really isn't, I mean, we, I have my own stories about how many disks I have or how hard it is to go sit in a basement and wait for two hours for somebody to print something out that you need and then it's worthless when you get it. That's a really big lift to ask of somebody that's sick. If we were to put a process in place where it's mine, I have access to it, and I can share it with whomever I want. And I was I was taught that you shouldn't say donate; you should say share because you might want it back. <laughs> okay, and I guess if you share and somebody ate it, you can't have it back. But anyway, but but the other but the other piece of it is is that you need to have it in the you need to get it to be able to share it, and it needs to be meaningful, not just today, but in the future. Back to your point, the trial is just a small piece. So I actually have another question to Jenny. What, because I feel like I, I agree with you, and I agree with you, but I'm also, I think it's a great idea. No, I'm just saying it's not a but, global, it's not a global, it's a project, let me just give you an example. In our project, we're gathering patient data for someone's prior, someone's like prior diagnosis, prior therapies, fitness status, current health condition, and then we're giving them an idea of their treatment options for multiple myeloma. Here's what's available to you in clinical trials and in normal treatment options. That's value that they get back immediately. 
Um, on the research side, researchers can log in and ask a survey question of the patient community, and they can say, have you had blood cancers in your family? Or have you had a minimal residual disease test performed? And so patients are contributing to advance the science from a research perspective, but at the same time, they're getting exact value for them. I can now educate myself on different treatment combinations. I can print that out. I can take it to my doctor. I mean, the value, I can compare myself to other patients on different protocols. So the value is there for the patient, and it's very valuable for a disease-specific community. And the more terminal the disease is, the more data sharing is going to happen. I have a question for you. See, this is what happened to give patients <laughs> okay. a microphone. Can I, so I'm a myeloma patient today, but I may get breast cancer in three months. Can I take my data out of your system to share it with somebody else? Well, not yet. No. <laughs> it's just for myeloma for now. So, right. And it's We're, we're right up against, I, I think, the end of uh, our conversation. But I did want to, if there are opportunities for the audience to get in, come, come to the bar. Let's, we'll let's, buy you a drink. Yeah, yeah, we'll buy you a drink. Hi, I'm Bennett Levitan from Janssen. So I would think it's not necessary to have every pharma company ask these questions for every study. Uh, there are con the same regulatory, legal, ethical, statistical questions that could be asked. It sounds like a perfect area for a guidance. So I imagine that you, you haven't heard of any guidance effort, but this would be a good opportunity to suggest it. So, so you're not the first person to have suggested that? There might have been patients doing that? But who owns it and who hosts it? Right, but just to tell somebody you need to do it and not give them a place to put it and retain it is good. Sorry. So questions like, what data can you be comfortable providing without uh, additional support? What is the threshold where you're going to hit the blind? What ethical considerations come into it with security? Um, when do you get into the issue of intellectual property? Because some data may actually reveal something that a company does not feel comfortable revealing. And then do you have triggers that say, after a certain amount of time, that data can be public? Those type of questions could be done by a neutral organization and then don't have to be asked anew, but rather just applied by companies. It's a great, great set of points. Hi, this is uh, Kate Wilson. I'm from Biogen. Um, so, Trace, I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about your comment. I think if I heard it correctly, um, about providing trial results to patients, and I think you said that you, Novartis, is building that into the study visit schedule itself, so that at the end of the trial, that's actually a a, a, a protocol study visit. Because I mean, I, I think that's so interesting, and almost again putting it back, I guess, to not only the importance of providing the trial results, but of that trusted environment of the patient and the doctor having a conversation about the results. Yeah, and um, I do have to say we're early in this, so you're absolutely right. Um, 
you just said something that triggered a thought, though, the trusted. So we're also looking at how the physician, their treating physician, is part of the picture as well. So it's really a connection between the patient, the PI, and the treating physician and how to make that conversation happen. Everything we're building right now is going only to the PI. You know, so it's just to the physician and then the, the sorry, the PI, and then the physician is going to facilitate the conversation on. Um, for the early studies, where we're, we're, when I say early studies, they're just being developed, um, then we're looking at, we have not solved that issue yet. Yeah, no, you're right. And where's the IRB fit, you know, because the site's closed. You know, so now is the site open? I mean, that's what I mean. It's so complex. Um, brings up issues of auditing. You know, where is this data sitting um, when it's for the patient? You know, who's reviewed it? Do we have a central ethics group that's looking at the data? So I'm sorry, I don't have a direct answer for you. Yes. That's absolutely okay. right. That's right. That's right. And we're embedding a lot of this into our IM, not specific to the individual data yet, because the site's, the system's not up. It'll be up this year. So the, I, we're we're up against we're up against Sorry. time actually, and we have we have panelists who need to run off to uh, to another session. Um, please continue this conversation. Um, I, I, I as a sponsor, we're all in on the idea of doing, uh, of making sure that patients have the data that, uh, that they're looking for, and clearly patients want it. Um, but I think, as you see, there are a lot of details that need to be sorted out, and we need to figure out uh, the right way to do it. So thank you. Great conversation. Patients as Partners U.S. is the only conference that demonstrates how to involve patients throughout the entire medicine's development life cycle to drive greater efficiencies in clinical research. Join us for the 6th Annual Patients as Partners U.S. program on March 11th and 12th at the Wyndham Philadelphia Historic District Hotel in Philadelphia. For more information, visit www.theconferenceforum.org. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.